Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope you're all doing well. Took a little bit of a break. Coming back at you now with hopefully um, some more interesting things to talk about as we're in the closing stretch of February and obviously there's going to be a lot more of uh, talks and discussion regarding, you know, what will transpire with March Madness coming up and the plan to host everything in one city. There's a lot of uh, interesting, uh, you know, rankings and pieces that are moving. Obviously, a lot of teams are trying to get themselves in a position to be in the tournament. And so I'll get into that a little bit later. What I want to kick things off this week is talking about tennis and the Australian Open. Now, I know most people may not watch tennis as much, which is okay, but it is that sport where you get to see some dominant runs, um, you get to see a lot of um, unique matchups, you know, you have the veterans, the youngsters, and the sport has changed so much in terms of how we view it, and, you know... The comp performances that these athletes do put on uh, is truly remarkable in terms of how they are able to just, you know, train, position themselves to be in these spots. And some of the best tennis matches always go longer than two or three sets, depending on this, you know, on how it's going. And so this past weekend, Naomi Osaka uh, won the Women's Australian Open. Uh, she's just 23 years old from Japan. Uh, she wins her fourth Grand Slam title. She thinks she's four for four so far um, in Grand Slams. And Naomi Osaka is the face of tennis right now. Uh, she has really emerged as a sensation, someone who just has the ultimate confidence and belief that she is going to be the next great player in tennis. And not to say that Serena Williams isn't, like, still great at what she does. But Serena Williams, you know, she's been on... Serena Williams was, like, the person in women's tennis. She was the person to be the person that was talked about the most. Um, And she's been trying to win um, and, you know, tie that record of 24... You know, championships in, in women tennis, um, and she's you know it's been tough for her, uh, not only because of you know dealing with just you know she won the Australian Open think two or three years back with like you know while she was pregnant and that was incredible in itself, uh, but Serena Williams just has had some issues and just sort of just being healthy, and she's just been stopped. Uh, she, there's been a constant wall. <laughs> Uh, as she, you know, probably uh, will not say, but she knows it. Like, the last couple of years, Naomi Osaka has, like, stood in her way of being able to surpass and tie that record in women tennis, the championships record. And so, you know, Serena has been so great over the years in terms of her style, her passion, the way, she, the way that she went about winning championships, coming back from, like, deficits. And we're seeing now that happen with Naomi Osaka, who 
not only is she really great in terms of like on and off the court, she's just really, really solid as a player. And she defeated Serena Williams in a semifinals matchup in a convincing fashion. And she's really earned a lot of victories throughout the Australian Open run, where she came back from some, you know, games down in, in early in sets. And she's just been so dominant, uh, so great in terms of her return style, her passion. Um, and she's very uh, influential in terms of her awareness and voice. Like, Naomi Osaka really knows what she's talking about, what she's doing. And she just loves to bring out the best of herself. She wants to really shine, obviously, in majors, as most tennis players want to do. But Serena Williams, you know, like, she's been so amazing. And, you know, it's just really hard to continue to, to dominate at her level as she's getting older. And... She's been involved in many championships, but Osaka has been in her way, I would say, uh, so much um, as other tennis players as well. But Osaka is the main one that jumps out because Osaka is like where Serena was at her, at, you know, her age. Like Osaka is entering the prime of her career. She's already won four Grand Slam titles, and she's just really hard to beat because she can really withstand a lot of things and be able to still play her style and she has such a great personality I mean she just really loves tennis she really has that feel for the game where she never like loses her confidence and at this age where she came from and her background like she's just been uh, really amazing in a lot of different ways and uh, she's gonna do big things in tennis uh, obviously she's has a long way to go in terms of like being on Serena's level in terms of like championships but it's pretty clear that like in tennis like in any other sport like there's just certain athletes certain players that just take over the sport and it seems like Osaka's time is coming her time is coming and Serena uh, you know as she's getting older and older she's trying to win one more but you know she's running out of that kind of like that feel and that like passion or not, not passion but like She's not able to win win as much. Um, and like I said, injuries and health do play a factor. But, you know, you're facing somebody like Osaka. Like, I think Serena sees, like, and, and a lot of people see this. Like, Serena sees that, like, you know, the, the, the future of tennis is coming. And you have some really solid players that are just coming up and competing and being able to really, like, take on the challenge. Like... Serena used to instill fear into a lot of her opponents and you know she used to just win by being so convincing uh, being able to like just dominate players under pressure but like now you see that you know someone like Osaka can stand up to that she can really play good tennis and be able to win despite of that so you know I was really impressed by how Osaka really played this championship run um, and she's obviously, like I said, she's great in terms of awareness on and off the court. Uh, she continues to just do great in terms of understanding things and speaking about things uh, about you know fighting for you know these injustices and rights. And like I said, her game herself backs her up. She just really has been on a roll, and there's a good chance that she will be uh, right there in the next um, you know, major championship as well. So. I would love to see Serena get the record and tie the record in tennis for the you know women's side championships, but there's a long way for her to go, and I really hope that Serena wins one more 
before she retires because, you know, at this age where she's playing and like how she's been, you know, defeated the last couple of years and all these major championships is really, is really on her. And I really hope that Serena is able to put put it together somehow for one more big run and win a championship again. Uh, it would be great to see because we've seen it, like I said, in many sports. Like Tiger Woods had the same kind of thing, but different circumstances, right? Different circumstances of Tiger Woods. But he finally won that 15th major that he was going after. For Serena, it's all about just finishing with the 24. I think that's what's her mind. Um, and I really hope she gets it done uh, because she's been so great to the sport of tennis and the future is coming. And Osaka is going to be one of those uh, athletes that continues to show up in championships. Um, and I would love to see those two battle again um, on the Grand, uh, Grand Slam stage in tennis. Now that brings me to Novak Dojovic on the men's side. He won the Australian Open. Um, you know... And Dojovic is on a mission to overtake Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in men's championships. I think he trails by two now. Dojovic has captured his 18th championship. Uh, Dojovic is one of those players in tennis that, to be honest, I always liked Roger Federer and Nadal so much to the point that I just never really liked Novak Dojovic. And maybe that's just because I, I wanted Federer and, and Nadal to win so badly. Um, but Dojovic has just been coming and coming year after year after year. Um, and he just has put forth an incredible amount of excellence and pursuit of what he's after. Uh, he really battled through a lot of injuries and a lot of tension in this Australian Open. There was a lot of comments made about, you know, him uh, saying, you know, the quarantine thing and like, you know, certain con- protocols and that. and. You know, Dojovic is one of those players that's very competitive. He can get frustrated, and he really shows it on the court as well. Um, but he really backs up his words and his play. Like, he's done a tremendous job. I mean, he overcame a lot to win his 18th title. I mean, people thought that, you know, his injury wasn't as serious. He was that. But Dojovic enjoys being doubted like any other athlete does. And he uses that as motivation to be, like, really good uh, in this, this, you know, championship run. Nadal was upset in the previous round, which was shocking to see. Um, but you know, Dojovic is someone who has withstood the, you know, the onslaught of like, in terms of like matches and things. He can go five sets and win a match. I mean, he really just is able to win with his convincing backhand returns, his serve. I mean, Dojovic brings it all, and you know, I think he wants to obviously eclipse Federer and Nadal. You know with more than 20 championships and we know that the competition in the men's side is getting really interesting I mean you know Nadal is the only one that has been more healthy as of late Federer has been going through a bunch of you know injuries and trying to get back and play so it's going to be difficult for Federer obviously to get back to that level but Still, like when you think of te- the men's tennis, you know you have Federer, Nadal, and Dojovic come to mind. And Dojovic is trying to be the best when he is all said and done. And he's just been really dominant. His confidence has been like always up, and you know he deserves a lot of respect than I've given him and a lot of people have given him because you know 33 from you know, from Serbia, 
winning a lot of these championships with just impressive efforts in terms of just never being out of a match, always finding a way to be in the mix, be in the mix and you know, he's always shining at the right times in the Grand Slam Majors and I think with Dojovic, the thing is that the biggest thing for him is just being obviously healthy and ready for the next championship run. I really hope that somehow Nadal and Federer are able, able to find their form and get back to playing. Um, but like I said, in tennis, in both women's tennis and men's tennis, like things are changing. And you know, right now, Osaka is someone who is on the upswing in women's tennis. And Dojovic is one that he is after the record of men's championships and I'm, I think that along the way he's obviously conquered a lot of different opponents um, and like I said, every year or every open something can always happen uh, but we're seeing like a lot of the youngsters in tennis really change the game and um, it's just incredible how uh, Serena has stood the test of time and you know Federer has the test of time. Those two will always be remembered as like the best in tennis. And it's all said and done. And I just hope that both Serena Williams, Roger Federer, um, even Nadal to some extent win maybe a couple more championships to make it harder for Dojovic. Uh, but, you know, he deserves a lot of attention and praise for like his ability just to bow through a lot to win championships. And this Australian Open was probably one of the toughest ones he ever had to deal with because of all the things that he was you know scrutinized for and talked about people go and read about Novak Dojovic they'll know exactly what I'm talking about um he overcame a lot of those things and he still won in spite of all that so Dojovic's his you know his mental attitude his toughness came on display um big time in um you know in this Australian Open and I'm sure he'll be in the mix again uh, in the French Open as well So in this segment, I want to talk about college basketball. As most people may know, uh, March Madness is expected to happen this year after last year's tournament was canceled due to the pandemic. And I believe every round of the March Madness tournament will be happening in Atlanta, as far as I know, or Indiana, I think, sorry, Indiana. One one or the other, I I mix it up always, but it will be all held in one, yeah, I think it'll be Indiana, in one um, city. Obviously, they'll have different playing sites and stuff like that, but it's expected to be happening um, with the same 68-team format, as far as I remember, and... And like I said, it's going to be interesting because obviously they're going to have to rearrange the uh, teams a little bit in the regions and stuff like that. But the watch is on now for who will make the March Madness tournament. There are some teams that, you know, have some quality wins that need some more help to get into the March Madness tournament. So an important stretch for some clubs um, as they look to make the NCSA tournament. So I'm going to recap some of the games that took place this weekend. And one of the games that I want to start off talking about 
is Duke beating number seven Virginia, 65 to 66. Virginia uh, won the title last time the March Madness one was held, and so Virginia has been playing pretty well. Duke obviously very uh, you know up and down season with number of losses they had and freshman Jalen Johnson op, uh, deciding to you know opt out and go for preparing for the NBA draft um, and so Duke since then has played much better they've won three straight including this victory yesterday sorry over the weekend uh, they kept their tournament hopes alive they're looking to maintain the streak the Blue Devils have not um, missed the NCAA March Madness tournament since 1995 and so they're trying to make it in obviously knowing that a lot is on the line and they're playing like it and the biggest thing for their turnaround so far has been just much better chemistry much better play uh, definitely buying into defense much more than they were earlier this season they were losing a lot of games before just with inconsistent play not getting enough shots not getting enough good looks uh, but they've turned it around very, very well. In this game, they were having some, some key guys were able to get some key shots. Uh, Jamin, I think Break Breakfield had the go-ahead shot that put Duke ahead by a point. And uh, Matthew Hurt had 22 points for for Duke as well in this game. And the defense was able to get a stop at the end. Um, and they were able to really... Uh, get this victory they earned this one they played a pretty good game from starting starting tip and they, they they're playing with a sense of urgency and uh you know desperation because duke knows what's at, at stake virginia despite this loss they're still going to be uh i think a pretty a good you know team to make it to the ncaa tournament um but like i said the biggest turnaround for duke has been their defense lately um gained some good wins and they have to keep that going because any other loss they have up to this point or any more losses after this point, it will definitely hurt their chances of making it in. But everybody on Duke had a you know contributing factor. The guards stepped up. You know, guys made some really good shots as well. And Duke just looked more better. They ran their offense much better. Uh, and this is why they've won three straight. Just being able to play good basketball, avoiding turnovers, avoiding like the little mistakes they've been making. And they are a team that can hopefully get into the NCC tournament because we've we've always seen the top schools get into the to the tournament always like Duke and Kentucky, North Carolina. Although Kentucky's status, I'm not really sure about Kentucky. They might be on the outside looking in, but then again, I have not checked Kentucky and where they're at in terms of the bracketology. But this is where all the teams that are really, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that are already a lock. Like Gonzaga and Baylor are a lock. Michigan, Ohio State are a lock. Like there are a lot, a lot of schools that are expected to be made into the NCAA tournament. But there's always the selection Sunday that they have in March, um, and they announce those teams that were on the bubble, and then they have like the first four and then stuff like that. So you know, you just really hope that some of the other schools are able to get into the mix and at least have a chance at it because we know how special March Madness can be. For Virginia in this game, all I would say is that they played a pretty good game. I think they just have to execute much better um, in late in games. I think that 
this season they've played really good at times and other times they've just haven't been able to make shots or run their offense right the last two minutes of the game and in this game I think that they, they could have run a better play gotta be better in ball handling late in the game and they kind of got a better look at the at the rim in this one but you know you get the best shot that you can take in that situation and they did just fine but I think they should have been able to run a better possession at the end to get a quality look because I think Duke was on the bonus so I think they should have initiated, initiated some contact but then again Duke played like I said Duke played really good defense Duke played really solid defense um, especially not allowing any easy lanes or any easy passes in that final stretch. So you give Duke credit. Um, Virginia wasn't able to overcome that defensive look that Duke gave them at the end of the game. And that's why Duke was able to win and, and get a much-needed victory um, for their NCAA tournament hopes. And the other top matchup that took place yesterday and over the weekend was number three, Michigan, number four, Ohio State. This was the kind of game that a lot of people were waiting for, including me. I like seeing the top 10 matchups, and we've got a couple this year, and some really turned out to be great. Others were, you know, not as expected, but get Ohio State and Michigan. And for people who do not know, like, Michigan and Ohio State, like, in terms of, like, college football, Ohio State has always been, like, the number one thing. So it was really Interesting to see like Michigan win against Ohio State and the college basketball level. But Michigan has been a really good team this year. I mean, they're a team that has quietly like been underrated. They've obviously have some really good seniors on that team and they got a nice mix and balance of guys and they are a team that is definitely gonna be in play this year um, and could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament based on their shooting and their, their ability to um, you know, withstand certain stretches and get timely buckets. So they beat it. They beat Ohio State 92 to 87 in this game. Like I said, marquee matchup. Uh, Michigan was able to really put it together in the last stretch of the game better than uh, Ohio State was able to do. Uh, both teams shot the ball well in the first half. Um, you know. A nice balanced effort from Michigan as usual. Uh, they really came through. Um, definitely Chris, uh, sorry, Chanday Brown off the bench had about 15 points in this game. He had about 15 points in this game. Really did an excellent job of keeping things in, in perspective, you know, in terms of like getting the, the quality looks that he could get it was very, very important for Michigan. And that's what Michigan has done well all season long they're 16 and I think 16 and 1 this season if I'm not mistaken and the biggest thing that Michigan is doing is beating you in a variety of ways and I think Ohio State just wasn't able to deal with that at the end because there's a lot of guys that can shoot on Michigan pretty well and if they, if they get nice bench production like they got in this game they're gonna be hard to beat but they can stretch the floor so you know obviously they had that going for them Ohio State's leading scores were EJ Liddell with 23 points and Dwayne Washington Jr. with 30 points, which was which was pretty impressive. Um, but they needed more from their starting five, and that's the difference. Michigan got good effort from you know Brown, from Brooks, um, you know Wagner Dickinson. They got much better of a 
starting five effort from their guys compared to Ohio State. You know, Dwayne Washington, EJ Liddell, Ohio State have been the stars of this season for Ohio State, but they weren't able to get a much other production from their bench. You know, it, it came down to just quality looks and quality shots, and they need more. Ohio State needed more shot making at the end of this game. Um, you know, they had some miscues there and there, and I think Ohio State was not aggressive enough. They had to get to the free throw line, and they didn't get to the free throw line as much as they should have. Because the only way you can beat Michigan, I think, in my view, and based on what I've seen from Michigan and some of the games they played, it's very few sample games I've seen. You gotta attack Michigan's bigs. You gotta make them like foul you or play like in the paint a lot. And I think Ohio State wasn't able to do that as well in the second half as the first half. So, you know, came down to Michigan obviously being better. Their shooting came through much better than Ohio State. And Ohio State. The thing with them this year, I think they're 18 and five. And the biggest thing with their season is that they can play well for stretches, but you know, there's just sometimes you just have to be able to put the ball in the hole when you need it. And I think that Ohio State and some possessions late in this game just weren't able to get those timely buckets and good looks that they need to get. And hopefully they'll get that, uh, you know, fixed around well enough uh, before they have like the, you know, tournaments and stuff like that for each conference. I think that. It's really crucial for Ohio State to be able to get more out of their starting five other than Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell. So overall, I mean, college basketball has been going through. I mean, they've had their challenges for sure. I mean, Gonzaga has been playing pretty well. They haven't faced any real competition, although. Um, And like I said, the, the schools are just going about it in the best way they can. Just really hope that some of the younger schools are able to get in. Um, But we're heading towards, you know, March Madness, and yes, I mean, fans aren't going to be, fans may not be allowed yet into the March Madness games, but I mean, we're going to have a tournament, all these uh, college prospects and kids are like getting ready for their biggest stage, you know, trying to finish strong this season and play in the NCAA tournament, and it's going to have a good feel to it, I mean, you want to see the best of the best go at each other, Um, so there will be more matchups probably coming up, and like I said, it will all be leading up to Selection Sunday and March Madness tournament getting going in March um, after the 12th, I think. And it's going to be great to see all these um, games happen. Hopefully, everything will be all right in terms of like the scheduling and how they're going to go about this. But the NCAA definitely needs to have the March Madness tournament and. Hopefully, with this bubble kind of approach for the March Madness tournament that a lot of schools, a lot of uh, these uh, great college prospects will get a chance to really play well uh, and showcase their talent. Um, But this was a really good weekend for college basketball with the matchups that we saw. Um, And we're going to see if these programs can keep it up as the top five, top six rankings will, will, will continue to change. Will continue to change uh, leading up to... Uh, selection Sunday.